0: Welcome to everyone who is going to be joining this webinar that we're having today, our KIN's virtual mission to Israel. I am indebted to all of the people who will be participating today, and especially to Rav Derom Perez, who is now with us, who is the executive chairman of the World Mizrahi Movement, a position he's held since 2014, and a position which he has created a Central himself as a central figure within world Jewry. Mizrahi today, because of Rav, uh, Rav Perez, has returned to glory and he's been able to transform and invigorate the global religious Zionist movement. Rav Perez is not only a spokesman for so many of the things we believe in and we cherish, but unfortunately, at the beginning of this war, Rav Perez's son Yonatan was wounded on October 7th. He since has become a chatan. He was able to walk down the aisle the following week, escorted by Rev Daron and his wife Shelly, and his other son, Daniel Daniel, was tragically kidnapped from his tank and is being held hostage today in Gaza. Rev Perez, the floor is yours. Please bring us to our mission.
1: Thank you uh, very much, uh, Rabbi Matenki, and uh, welcome uh, to all of you on, uh, on Thanksgiving in the United States to really join uh, all of us here in Israel uh, together, to stand together and to uh, to shoulder by shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, to uh, deal with all the tremendous challenges that we are facing as a Jewish people in general, of course, the state of Israel in particular. It's a sort for me always to do anything with Rabbi Matenki, who himself, as you all know, both in the global stage in Israel and the World Zionist Organization and our World Mizrahi Board, but also, of course, throughout not only Chicago, but throughout the United States, many leadership roles that he has played and continues to play. And it's a schut to be hosted by Yorav and for all of you at Kins for this virtual mission. It's also a schut to be uh to together with uh, Michal, uh, for the, the tragic loss of her brother and nephew, Moshe and Eliad, and of Hakim, Rabbi Achiel Leiter, who uh, hosted in South Africa for the tragic loss of his son, Officer Moshe, and uh, uh, my friend Rabbi uh, Rabbi uh, Ben Menora, who is a graduate of our programs, of our, many of our Mizrahi leadership programs, and currently working in uh, in with Jalasi in 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 Binghamton. To you, Rabbi Ben for returning to Israel. And for uh, along with, uh, I just want to say, uh, what Rav ben did is amazing, and has returned and you know left family and come to to be in the army, which is really incredible. I look after you Rabben and Hashem should just look after you and you should just be well amongst all the other soldiers. Uh, Rav ben returned to Israel with three hundred thousand others. Israel, goy echad ba'aretz. Yeah, our family is going through a very difficult time. As are families of the two hundred and thirty something uh, hostages, as you know, that's going to uh, come down by around fifty in the coming uh, in the coming days, and uh, along with uh, you know uh, twelve hundred others, uh, Rafmanit's son be, who've been killed, and families uh, um, fa- families mourning, and uh, there isn't a household in Israel that there isn't a soldier, a son, uh, a brother, a sibling, father family member who has been called up um, and therefore many lone soldiers where we are really all in this together. And I think, um, you know, Rabbi Menorah came back to fight as one of 300,000 Israelis who came back. Normally, with normal nations, uh, a war zone is a place where people flee from. We know that no airline is flying to Israel, understandably. Uh, But but Elal has brought back 300,000 people in the last number of uh, weeks uh, because we are not uh, a regular people. We're a people where the time of difficulty difficulty and a time of challenge, not only do people not run away, but they run towards. They come back to defend defend our home, to defend their home, to defend your home, to defend the Jewish homeland. And it's just an unbelievable thing. You know, um, I think that... um, at the end of the day, Hamas came to, there's a Hebrew word to annihilate called Lechasel. They came Lechasel, they came to annihilate, they came to maim, they came to hurt, they came to kill. We know all the horrific things that they have done, but ultimately what they've really done to us as a people is another Hebrew word you may not know called l'chassel with the shin. They've strengthened us. L'chassel in Hebrew means to strengthen. Boy, oh boy have they misread this situation? They, as Nasrallah, and Yahya Sinwar, uh, follow Israeli news very, very carefully. They're keen students of Israeli society. They, uh, they, especially Nasrallah, who's fluent in Hebrew and has written about and tweeted about the fact that this is the end of Israel and we're uh, we weak and we're arguing within. And he totally, and Hamas, totally misread who we are. You see, on the outside, we are yeah. a um, disunited, um, geographically dispersed and argumentative people. As Haman said, Rav Cook famously has Rav has said about that famous verse of Haman, the archetypical anti-Semite of, of Amalek, who comes to, uh, as we all know, comes to, uh, to Achashverosh and says to him, yesh no amichad, there's this one people, mefuzarum forad, they are totally dispersed. They are, in fact, there is no dispersed people. He said they are in every one of your 127 countries. Show me a people dispersed to every corner of the world. It doesn't exist. And they are Mifurad. They are separated from each other. They like Peirud. They are not only geographically dispersed. They are argumentative. They are uh, they are confrontational with each other. And they are incredibly ide- ideologically dis- diverse. Says Rav Cook, the miracle and mystery of the Jewish people is that on the outside we seem, on the outside, we seem to be more dispersed than any other people, more more uh, varied and diverse than any other people. That is true on the outside. But on the inside, when you look to its soul, people see only what the eye externally sees. As Hashem said to shmuel in the choosing of david who shmuel wasn't quite re- didn't think that this young ginger shepherd was going to be the one as opposed to the other stronger and more fit seeming brothers of david and hashem says to him no the human being sees uh what the eye sees and that is only physical things and even with telescopes and microscopes we can only see physical things we cannot see what the eye cannot see but God can see deeper into the heart, into the soul. And when you look at the heart and soul of the Jewish people, what do you see? A people unified, one people. And that's a dichotomy. They seem externally so diverse, but really we are one people. And at times of pain and of difficulty and of challenge, we reveal the essence of who we are. We hope and pray that this should not have to happen through so much pain and through so much difficulty and so much suffering um that many of us are going through um and we all in this together but really what reveals what happens when a challenge happens is that we truly see who the jewish people are we are an unparalleled people like no other who has come out in the most incredible way to be united uh like no other people no people values life the way the jewish people do against an enemy who has absolute disregard for life not the lives of their enemies and not the lives of their own they have no care and concern for their own because such is the nature of hate and such is the nature of destruction and we are part of a people who it's a people which cares for our lives cares for the lives of everyone and only does what it has to do to defend itself and will do anything Anything this, our, our army will do, unified in such a way, to bring back Bezrat Hashem, every single hostage, to be able to look after the lives of our soldiers who are going out to fight and to uh, uproot the evil of Hamas until it's like a cancerous Nazi-type regime where the German German society could only begin to heal after Nazism was eradicated as a regime from Germany and uh, and Europe, so too. Uh, will, will be eradicated as a, a cancerous horrific nazi-like destructive organization and what they did they came to annihilate they came to destroy but all they really have done is galvanize the jewish people in a way that uh, we we've craved again it's such a pity it's happened through such pain and difficulty and they brought us together and i've always believed that the great iron dome spiritually of the jewish people is our unity our togetherness and when we stand together when we get brought together uh, there is no force on earth like this 300 000 people returning left to right in israel religious and irreligious everybody coming together as one at Mizrahi alone World Mizrahi, we have four solidarity groups this week and another four or five next week and 30 to 35 missions over the over the coming weeks and amongst so many different missions the jewish people stand together the jewish people stand together as one and what this has done after the very difficult and very divisive last four to five years of the almost unparalleled five election uh, election rounds in four years and then that was only a light warm-up for what we've had this last year and we were on this collision course and we weren't quite sure how we were going to restore unity in israel and on Simchat Torah, we got the answer, a painful one, a horrific price to pay uh, of so many families who have lost and so many of our hostage families which are suffering through this. And so many, um, and so many, um, also so many um, uh, soldiers, families in every single um, area uh, of every single family facing um, facing these enormous challenges. But we have come together and we will prevail sorry about my tank. i saw a message from you which I, uh, tell me what you'd like me to address sir. i'm just going to ask you that you wanted me to address something
0: well daron we are all wondering you know your family has had both extraordinary simcha the joy of the wedding and extraordinary challenge with still your son being held as a hostage is there any news is there anything that the government is sharing with you about his situation about the situation of the other hostages
1: the answer is uh, yes or no the, the, we do not know uh, where our son is and what his fate is we hope and pray of course that he's alive and well and that if he was in the uh, in in the, you know in the in the battle you know you know the, when he was removed from his tank one member of his tank was killed and the other three were taken hostage we don't know what his situation is we have not we we Uh, We assume, as the army assumes, that he's alive and well, but we don't know. He's also one of those people where there hasn't been, you know, there's two types of hostages in terms of the definition. One, we know for sure that they're hostage because we have um, evidence, eyewitness uh, accounts, uh, videos, and the others, like my son and the members of his tank, uh, the other two members of his tank, where there's no video footage, no camera footage, no eyewitness reports. So it's all based on circumstantial evidence where, um, uh, a number of officers of and have sat with us to show us how they reached the conclusion. He was missing for three weeks. And then since then, why they changed the status to hostage to presume taken hostage. There's enough circumstantial evidence. It's not hundred percent, but it's strong enough to change the, to the, the, um, the definition. They haven't shared that with us. They haven't shared it with us. Uh, they shared with us how they reached the conclusion regarding him and, um, but they haven't, uh, you know, spoken. We, we we know nothing further than that. Uh, I was called by the army liaison. We have a, every family has an army liaison who called today. To the moment he told us how many hostages are going to be released today, and uh, you know, women and children. And as soon as the, as soon as the government knows, uh, they inform us personally straight away because obviously it's, uh, it uh, you know, that uh, you know we're part of this family of hostages. But we don't know beyond that so regarding his fate uh we don't know um and if i can ask everybody please to continue to pray for daniel shimon ben sharon our son who is an officer in in, uh, in tanks and uh, is a presumed uh, hostage in gaza and obviously the whole prisoner swap uh not pr- uh, the prisoner swap the swap for hostages and prisoners but also the giving respite to Hamas and, and only some of the hostages is, 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 a, is, a, is a mixed bag. On the one hand, it's incredible that we are redeeming Pidyon uh, Shvoim uh, and many uh, people, uh, especially young children, people who are not well, many women will be returned, please God, in the coming days to their families. So it's a tremendous simcha of Pidyon Shvoim. But of course, there are many still like our son uh, where there's a long way to go. And uh, obviously, four days of time for to regroup is not encouraging. But uh, there is is a uh, a uh, mitveh, an arrangement and hopefully for the future to release more. And we hope and pray, and I'll end with this, that uh, with the tremendous achdut that we have at the moment, the tremendous gvura that we have at the moment, the incredible acts of self-sacrifice of all of our uh, families and soldiers all together, that very speedily all of the hostages will return in good health uh, uh, very soon. Hashem will look after that. All those who fallen, there should be no more who fall going forward. should give tremendous comfort to the families, the family of Michal, of course, of uh, my friend uh, Dr. Yechiel, Dr. Lata, and uh, Nechamot and short to all the families, and of course to look after and protect every single one of our soldiers going forward. And Bezrat Hashem, with all the pain and difficulty, this darkness will usher in a new period of redemption for the Jewish people, with more understanding, more unity, and Ashin, please, God, a new chapter in the history of our people as we move together Jewish and human history forward.
0: Amen. Rev. Perez, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us this, today and joining us today as well. I uh, am thankful for your leadership, for your friendship, and most importantly, for the inspiration that you're giving to all of us. And now I am going to be passing the baton over to a former Chicagoan, to a graduate of one of your programs, and that is specifically to Ben Menorah. Ben was born in Chicago. Many of many of us know his family, many of us know his parents. He is a made aliyah as a child to Israel. He earned his law degree, he served for two years in corporate law, and then he joined the Kollel Ishivatarat which we also know as Gush, received his certificate of teaching in Herzog's college. And he and his wife, Ellie, and originally four children, now there are five, I believe, took time out on Shlichut to be able to go to be the JLIC directors at Binghamton University in New York. But with the outbreak of the war, Ben went back. And so it is our pleasure to welcome Ben and to also hear from him his story as one of us, and at the very same time as a person who has risen to this occasion. I also want to remind people who are on, there's a limited number of questions we may be able to manage, and if you'd like to put something in the Q&A that's entirely manageable, possible, please. We can't promise we can answer all the questions, but if there are questions, we will look forward to trying our best. Rabbi Ben Menorah, please.
2: Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for, for having me here today. Um, it's really a, a pleasure and an honor uh, to be speaking with you and sharing some thoughts and experiences. Um, just for a beginning, I, I want to say, you know everybody keeps talking about this,, uh, you know, this is great that you went. And I'll share soon why I decided to go and what the experience has been like. But really, I think the unspoken and unsung hero of of anything happening in my family is my wife, Ellie, who uh, has been both managing the fort with the kids, five kids, uh, Barak Shemin. Uh, in Binghamton and continuing running a huge student community in Binghamton, uh, all along with me gone, I just dropped and did what I was trained to do, which is uh, quite simple at the end of the day because I've been doing it for 15 years. Ellie's been uh, running anything, so she's really the true hero in anything happening in the Menorah family right now in Binghamton. Uh, So in terms of of my story and my experience right now, and uh, I'll touch upon hopefully some of the thoughts and the underlying uh, themes and ideas that run with and that I've been thinking about over the past 45, 46, 47 days, whatever we're up to. Uh, after Marv, every night on base, uh, I started a new minhag. As we finish Aleinu, I say, Hayom, mm-hmm. Hamisha, the Arbaim Yom, Shehem. And I count for how many days at war we are and how many days towards this thing, Hope, hoping that we'll all end soon, but also recognizing that, that we can't really finish until we uh, achieve the goals that we have. So we're this amount of days in and uh, I, I think back to many years ago, um, many years ago, I was struggling with a few different things. And uh, in a therapy session, uh, one thing that I was talking with a therapist about was decision making. Um, I knew I wasn't very good at decision making and uh, kind of uh, jumped on different things at times. And uh, how do I reach the right decision Different, uh, different at different times in life? And one thing that he said to me, well, you got to think, what are what are your core values? What are the main things that you think about? And I took a lot of time out to really try to pin those down and write those down. And I sat with a piece of paper and tried to write, what is the number one thing that should be guiding me in life? And something in the back of my head was shouting, Ovid Hashem, Ovid Hashem, be an Ovid Hashem. And it sounds very, uh, very great and very idealistic. But I realized after a few minutes that I have no idea what that means um, it's very hard to just uh, throw out, okay, what should I have for breakfast? Well, I want to be an Ovid Hashem. That doesn't really help. How do I make small decisions, big decisions, it's just by thinking, you know, that's what I need to do. And um, when I tried to think what are the main, the main themes or the main ideas, the main values that would fit into being an Ovid Hashem, I remembered something that my father always told me growing up. And back when I was a kid, and anybody that knows my father uh, uh, would recognize probably these themes and things that he talks about and shares and does is Ami Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, and Torat Yisrael, or more specifically, Am Yisrael, israel Yisrael, Alpi Torat Israel. These are the three values or the three main things that he would always talk to me about growing up. I remember already as early as six or seven years old, him teaching me these ideas, uh, mentioning a lot of Rob Cook and similar uh, sources of why these are the main things that we need to think about. We talked about this when we made Aliyah back in 1994, and I grew up with these things in mind. These are the things I gotta be focusing on. These are the things I need to think about. These are our main ideals. And really throughout life, this is something that I tried to think about. What are we doing now as a family? What am I doing career-wise that is really advancing or benefiting Am Israel, benefiting Eretz Israel, and benefiting uh, Torah Israel, bringing these three together? And that's really, as a family, why we decided a few years ago to join Mizrahi's programs, to, to train for Shlichut, and really to go find a job somewhere out there. Binghamton, to New York is kind of the middle of nowhere, and strengthen Jewish life, Jewish values there, hopefully strengthen Zionism, connect people with Eretz Yisrael. Um, so we're there for Am Yisrael, for, for Eretz Yisrael, and Torah Yisrael, teaching Torah, That is one of the values, and that's how we found ourselves in Binghamton a few years ago. It's already been two and a half years almost. But many years ago, as I finished as an Israeli, I finished high school, I went to yeshiva, and then it was time to draft to the army. So the army obviously is a big value. As a kid, I grew up in a Zionist family saying, you know, my father always talking with me and my father's friends that went to the army, and I would say, yeah, I'm going to be in Sahel. And always my mother saying, if Mashiach doesn't come until then, and that's what I grew up knowing, yeah, one day I'll be a Chayal. So sure enough, a bunch of years ago, there's already 15 years ago, I joined the army, served for three years. And in the army, they always tell you, you know, this is a lifelong thing. You're going to be in the reserves. You're going to be in the Milu'im. And whenever anything happens, IDF relies on the reserves. There's only so many soldiers that can be there on a day-to-day basis. But when when the big war breaks out, we're going to call in the reserves. So this happened in two thousand uh and 12, I think, in 2014, it happened in a few instances where they called up a lot of reserves. Never at this scale, at least not to the best of, of my memory. So Shemini Yat this year, uh, last day of Simcha's We're in Binghamton, New York. We're celebrating. We're at the end of Sukkot. Friday night, we have a wonderful meal with, meal with uh, students over. Shabbos morning, and uh, my way down to 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 show my my brother, uh, my brother Yossi, who who served as a uh, who serves as an officer in the reserves, he tell he catches me on the way to sh- to the and he says, Ben, my phone's been going off; it's been blowing up all night. I don't know what's happening. Um, I checked; it looks like there's something happening in Israel. It wasn't very clear. I wasn't clear on what he was saying. It sounded like it was. It's hard to say this, but just another pigua. I went on to to teach the morning share and went on to davening. And during davening, a few students came up. You know, we heard there's something going on. Is there any information? But nobody really knew. By uh, by Yetzirah afternoon, we heard a little more details. We understood a little bit more that there's something big going on. As soon as Shabbos was out and still second-day Yontiv, as Israelis normally in Eretz Israel in uh, Chuz Haaretz, uh, we followed the Pseek of Harad Rimon. And he told us that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't do melacha on the second day of Yom But we said, you know, there's a war. We have to understand what's happening, what the situation is. So we figured it out. I found out that all my friends, my unit, has been called up already. Shabbos morning to rejoin into the uh, to the army was called up. We understood a little bit more of the devastation of everything happening, and we understand that really this is a huge a huge point in, in everything that's happening in Am Yisrael in the last who knows how long. This is a momentous time. And now we have this other thing that we have to deal with because we're in Binghamton University. We have hundreds of students excited for, for Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah is a huge day. Uh, and you could imagine, especially on a college campus, it's a huge opportunity to celebrate. It's an opportunity for us, the Jewish organizations to really excite people about, about the Torah uh, and about the holidays. It's a really exciting time. At the same time, we understand that there's something huge and terrible happening in Eretz Yisrael. How do we mitigate that? How do we bring the things together? What are we supposed to do? So on Shemitah Saturday afternoon, speaking with the other, the local uh, uh, the rabbis on campus, uh, we decided, you know, really the challenge at this time is understanding that despite all the uh, all the disappointment or the, the station happening, happening we have to continue with the simcha of the Torah and continue to be excited. That's the real challenge. That on that, and that, that was and at the end of the event, I realized that was not the real challenge because at that moment what students didn't need was to be convinced to be happy and to celebrate despite everything happening in Eretz Yisrael. The real challenge was that they didn't realize what was happening in Eretz Yisrael. They didn't realize it was time to be sad. People didn't need to be convinced to start dancing. People had been drinking all afternoon already, don't need to be told, hey, be happy, hey, come dance. It's a sad time, but we're going to be happy anyways. The problem was the challenge was convincing them that there was something really, really horrible really challenging happening in Eretz Yisrael. On simplest Torah morning, we had to switch the whole focus. When it came time for Hakafos, rather than say, you know, we're going we're gonna to be happy and dance despite everything happening, the challenge was to convince them that now is not the time to be happy and not the time to dance. It's time to recognize the devastation of what's happening. For Hakafos, each Hakafo, we started with the Parak Tehillim, and sang a slow song. And for the first hakafa, the first two hakafas, three hakafas, I saw the puzzled look on people's faces. Even though I explained what was happening, people didn't realize it. They didn't comprehend what was happening. Four hakafas, five hakafas, slowly I see it settling in. There's something big happening. By the time we reached Kiddush, I've never heard my house so quiet with 100, 150 students in the house, and just murmurs, people talking. And I realized I think this is the challenge to have people help them feel connected to what's happening in the areas of Israel and fast forward to where we are today, because being back and forth right now, full disclosure, I'm in New York. I just flew in the other day for a short visit home with my family, which has been really exciting and really fun and also challenging because in my mindset right now, I'm a soldier. And like the Rambam says, you, you shouldn't be thinking about your about your home as challenging as it is you need to be focused on on the great mission at hand but right now being focused and hearing both about what's happening seeing what's happening within the american community and the the israeli communities um there there've been two two phases as i see it the first phase has been the phase of what i think is called the Hid Chazkut the chizuk, where really pe- people have been stepping up for the occasion. In Chutz L'Aretz, I've seen it where we saw it with the Great Rally in Washington. I've seen with all the tremendous opportunities that our students have been leading on campus, learning opportunities, davening opportunities, all the fundraising happening for units in, in the army, for the people that have been evacuated in the south and the north from their homes. There's been a, a, a tremendous chizuk Nami in Nam Yisrael, driving along the highway Every single billboard has a sign on it that says "Yachad recognizing what the uh, Rav Daron mentioned earlier that Hamun arises when we're um, uh, Am Yeshnoam Echad Ne'fuzarum farad Bein Hamim. So we come together. That's how we win. The Be Yachad ninatzeach. And there's been a tremendous chizuk also within within the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. We see that in the army alone. The dozens of thousands of pairs of tefillin that have been giving out for chayalim that decided from now on they're going to put on fillin every day. The dozens of thousands of of, of that they're wearing. I look around; my soldiers do not have yarmulkes on. A lot of them. There's very little that they do, but they all walk around wearing tshitsis now because somebody said this is what's going to keep us strong. This is what's going to keep us safe. So the the, the first phase of chizik, I think we we did tremendously well out at, well as. Uh, well at as a uh, as a nation i think we've done very very well at that but now comes the second phase which is the one that i struggle with very much and that's where the refion comes where we start um loosening our grip a little bit we start losing we start losing focus because it comes it comes it becomes hard we're 45 46 47 days in how do we keep the momentum i know that where we are right now in the army i feel people I talk to people every day. I I, I schmooze with people. I see people are struggling. Their businesses are falling apart. Their families are struggling. Their wife and kids are at home. Everybody's having it rough. In Eretz Yisrael, it's rough just to stay, not seeing what's happening. And we're not achieving the great achievements militarily that we did the first few days. Everything slowed down. It becomes a lot harder. And in Chutzlah, it's it becomes harder also we have we're not connected we're not always there we have the day to day life continuing and the big challenge right now is to recognize that as the momentum drops we need to think about the long term how we're going to stay connected both in Eretz Israel and in Khuzara's connected to everything happening there what is the long term plan for us to continue to be mechazik and stay connected to the to to Medinati Israel we know that there's going to be great challenges financially with, with how the economic system in Eretz Israel is going to bounce back from this does it mean that I'm going to now start supporting or or um, or uh, uh, um, blanking on the word here? Speaking Hebrew for the last forty five days, am I going to start investing in Israeli companies, even though it's not the best investment? Does it mean that I'm going to start uh, planning all my trips to be to Eretz Israel? Whatever it is, how do I make sure in the long run I stay connected? That the roshma I, that everything that I'm thinking about is continue to be with Am Yisrael together and focused on Eretz Yisrael to keep that connection strong, to reignite that momentum and that flame. Uh, That's the big challenge that I see today that we need to be thinking about. Thank you very, very much for having me. Wishing everybody a lot of bracha and b'serot tovot.
0: Ben, just one quick question. What was your job in the IDF in Sahal? What is your position? Thank you? you very much. So uh, for many, many years,
2: I was a staff sergeant. That was what I did from pretty much since 2009 until two years ago when I went, left on Schlichut. While I was in Shlichut, uh, somebody filled my position. So now when I came back, um, I'm a kashar. A kashar is a radio man. So I'm connected with one of the uh, officers of my unit. And I basically help all the information flow between him and all the different units under his command and just run back and forth to make sure that things uh, get done and things are happening, um, that's that's pretty much it.
0: Okay. Ben, thank you very, very much. Please stay safe. We are, all of our tefillot are with all of the Chayel Eitzahal, and we pray that you will continue to provide for us the inspiration, and especially on campus, the inspiration that students need there as well. It is now my honor to introduce one more person who is joining us today, I'm introducing Michal Sandhaus. Michal is a mother of four. She's an educator who specializes in curriculum development. And along with her husband, she had served as a shlicha for seven years in Boca Raton, Florida. She currently lives in Shalavim. I met Michal uh, several weeks ago on the first RCA Mizrahi mission in Israel when she took us around with Fakim because Ofakim was one of those communities, that's only about 15 miles away from the border, that suffered terrible tragedy on October 7th, when the Hamas terrorists attacked, invaded and attacked, killed more than 40 people in Ofakim, including Michal's brother, Moshe Ochayon and also his son, Eliad, who were fighting and defending the community and helped to save the rest of the community from further tragedy. Michal has become an important spokesperson for the State of Israel, for the community of Ophakim, and Michal, it is an honor for us to welcome you to our virtual mission today.
3: Thank you very much for having me. I wanna thank everybody for taking the time to join us today. I know that it's, it, it's a holiday, I know it's a special holiday, and it's impressive that that we can all feel the bond between Jews all around the world. So I appreciate that. I want to tell you my own personal story about two very, very dear, unique people, my brother Moshe and his son Eliad. The two of them were the kind of people that made every day matter. That kind the kind of people that touched every person that they've met, they've touched their hearts. The kind of people that changed so many lives. We, Moshe is my older brother, one of seven, the oldest grandchild, named after my grandfather, Moshe, who died in Morocco. My grandfather died a month before my father's bar mitzvah. My father made Aliyah two years after, with a handicapped mother, an old grandmother, and two very young siblings. But he never let it stop. He never cried that life are difficult for him. He smiled. Every single day he smiled and changed the world bit by bit. He became a high officer in the army. And during his job, he decided to institute the mechanical workshops for immigrants to enable them to study Hebrew, but also acquire profession. We walked in his footsteps. All of us are still walking in his footsteps. And Moshe took it a step forward. He decided to become an officer in the army just the same. But he was wounded in the army and became had mild handicapsy. But he said, that's not going to stop me to continue to contribute to the Jewish nation. And Moshe had a gift. He had a gift of he was able to look at the situation, identify the problem and offer the best solution. And he decides as a young couple to move with his wife and one-year-old son to the city of Ofakim 24 years ago. Ofakim at that time is a difficult city, some crying low social econ- economical back. And he never goes anywhere as a a person that has a mission to change the world and he knows what's best for everyone, not at all. He took all the teenagers from the city and sat with them and said, let's build our own leadership program. And you'll tell me what strengths you have that you can contribute to your community. And slowly, slowly they're making extreme change. And he's building such programs around the country, and then the foundation of uh, Mandel family. hears about Moshe's doing, and they call him and say, "Come join us, come study at the Mandel institution," and he goes, and he drives every day from Ofakim to Yerushalayim. And after after studying there, they're offering him to be the head of Mandel. And Mandel at the time were only working with educational leadership. And Moshe says, mm. there are many educational leaderships in the Jewish nation. I wanna be a social leader. I wanna start the social leadership institution, academy. And the and Mandel Foundation, thankfully, are willing to help him take his dream step forward. And he, institutes such a college in Haifa. And for seven years, he drives daily from Ofakim to Haifa, over two and a half hours each way. But he's not the kind of person to waste time. So he buys a car that waits at the Ofakim train station and a car that waits at the Haifa train station. And in between, he works. But not for the job that pays him, but for the dreams that he wants to bring forward. And he institutes many chesed organizations, such as A Generation and a Half, Dor where teenagers sit with elders from from the population and recognize that elders are not just weary old people, but kind people that have amazing life stories and they learn to appreciate the elders more. And he then, with a group of very kind people established the institute called Shacharit. And the purpose of that is to find a common ground between all Jews around the world and all citizens of Israel. Jews, Muslims, Christians, Bedouins, Druze, and many more. As I told you, Moshe was handicapped. But he decided that that will never stop him. And he goes back to a, a hobby that he liked, Running marathons, but this time he's running marathons, pushing wounded soldiers in wheelchairs, because he believed that they should fulfill all their all their dreams. And due to the fact that they did so much for us, it sacrificed so sacrificed so much for every Jew around the world. It's his obligation to make their dreams come true. And it doesn't stop. And he becomes the head of the international organization, Tesha Stein Tesha, 9 for Bible learning and accessibility to all, Jews and non-Jews, in all languages, in all levels. And it doesn't stop there. This Sukkot, after seeing what happened to the, our nation, how separated we are, how we fight endlessly, and how it's weakening us, he decided to establish Sukkot Shel Shalom, Sukkot for peace. Now, you should say there are so many Torah lessons in so many Sukkot. What's the difference? As I said, it was one of a kind. He decided that 200 Sukkot will host Torah lessons or other lessons that will be created by two opposites from the society, two extreme opposites, a right. Right wing and left wing, religious and unreligious, elders and young, women and men. And by sitting together, they will get to know each other before they teach the lesson. Now, if you think Moshe was a bit of a hyperactive, you should have met his son. Eliad was born premature. He had to be delivered a month ahead of time because he was big. He was born a month ahead of time, 10.1 pounds. Hashem knew what he was doing. He sent us a huge neshama, absolutely one of a kind. Eliad was born as the happiest kid I've ever met, and I've met many as an educator. He was full of joy. He looked at the world with a kind eye. He never saw flaws at anybody. At his bar mitzvah, he decided he wants to bar, he, do his bar mitzvah in memory of Rabbi Arya Levin, And he studied it about Rabbi Arya Levine, and he took us all to a day trip in Yerushalayim to Rabbi Arya's house and to other stations in his life. And he gave out a magnet at his bar mitzvah that says, A saying from Rabbi Arya Levin: My kind Jew, I see only to your heart. And the soul that I see is bringing great joy to my life. Eliad decided at the age of 14 that he quits school, he attends only exams, and he's allocating 100% of his time to volunteer with handicapped kids. On Silcha's Torah, like every year, they hosted 40 handicapped kids in their house along with 40 shepherds. When they heard the rockets, they they ran to offer aid to open shelters. When they drove outside the house to get the keys for the shelters, they stumbled upon the terrorists. The terrorists were wearing IDF uniforms. They were waiting for the sirens to be heard. And was, when the sirens were heard and people ran out of their houses to the shelters, the terrorists massacred them. My brother and his son happened to be the first ones on the scene. My brother killed the first terrorist and later on another one. Our family paid the dearest price of all my brother, the wise man, had a clear bullet to his head. And Eliad's son, this giant, he was called the purple giant because the amutad that he volunteered for had purple shirts. And everybody in Israel and outside Israel knew him, the purple giant. The purple giant that was all heart had a clean bullet to his heart. And he fell down, hugging his father. The bodies were found when the son was hugging the father. I can't tell you the death of Sarah. I can't tell you what people in Israel are going through at this moment. But I can tell you one thing. If we would have asked them, they would have done the same thing all over again. Because they truly, truly believed that we are part of something bigger. We are part of the Jewish nation. No matter where we are or what the time era is, we are obligated to stand united, to fight for one another, for each other, one for all and all for one. And by you enabling me to speak today to your community, sending our family a hug saying, You will never walk alone. We are here with you. And I truly thank you for that.
0: Michal, thank you so much for the story of your brother and your nephew, the story of your family. Uh, having been with you in Ofakim a few weeks ago and walked through the steps that they had taken and where the tragedies had occurred. I also learned of your strength, your sister-in-law's strength, and the strength of the people of Ofakim. May you continue to have that strength and to take forward the lessons of your brother, your nephew, all of the very brave people who continue to defend Medinat Yisrael, continue to settle Medinat Yisrael, we are with you and you feel the hug you feel is the hug that we want to send and the support we want to give as well. Thank you so much for today. Thank you all. It is now my pleasure to welcome an old friend. I haven't actually spoken with Dr. Yechiel Leiter in a few years. Uh, The few probably has a zero after it as well. And yet, Dr. Leiter is a person who is not only an academic, an Israeli historian, of philosophy, a public policy analyst, a scholar at Jerusalem's Herzl Institute. He's also a person who's been an articulate spokesman on behalf of Medinat Yisrael. I remember his visits years ago to Chicago, which were regular, when he was speaking on behalf of the communities in Hebron. He served as the chief of staff to Binyamin Netanyahu when he was In the Ministry of Finance and assistant to the former and late Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, Yechiel was born in Scranton. Tragically, just a couple of weeks ago, his son Moshe Yedidia was killed in battle. And on behalf of our congregation and our community, Dr. Leiter, we extend to you our condolences for Moshe's loss. And also our thanks that you're joining us today, despite the tragedy that happened just a few days ago. Dr. Leiter, the floor is yours.
4: Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Rabbi. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna begin with an apology. I'm, I'm standing in, a, in the hospital ward here in Shari Tzedek. You can probably see the sign in, in back of me. It's the um, uh, the surgery uh, surgery Ward, uh, General Surgery Department. Um, two of the soldiers who were uh, seriously injured uh, when Moshe was killed uh, are here. One of them uh, is Elisha Medad, the son of uh, the Rosh Hashivah of Haaretzion, of Yaakov Elisha uh, and uh, Moshe were very close. They uh, chose uh, to do him together and insisted on being together uh, in the command uh, center, going to war. Uh, The second, uh, Elisha lost both legs. Uh, And uh, his life was in balance for a while. But Baruch Hashem, uh, he's going to, uh, by all indications, uh, going to be able to recover. Actually, uh, they moved him out of bed to a wheelchair for the first time. In the room right next to him is uh, Amos Lapidot, who comes from uh, the other spectrum of Israeli society. He lost one leg uh, and they were able to hold on to the second. Uh, his father and I, we discovered, did uh, medic training uh, in the army 41 years ago. Small world. Let me begin by sending a uh, a huge hug to uh, Rabbi Doron. Rabbi Doron. Uh, uh, he's a, a uh, ongoing hero and setting an example uh, for all of us uh, for what uh, emuna uh, is not something theoretical and not something for a safer, but something that uh, he's living twenty four seven and is setting an example. Uh, for everyone, for all of us. He's um, also to hear good news soon uh, from Daniel and um, from the rest of the captives being held hostage. Um, <clears throat> I could speak uh, for many hours on end about uh, my before, Moshe uh, Didya. He was the father of six. Uh, he spent 15 years in uh Uh, Special Ops, it's called the Shaldag Unit, it's the equivalent of the American uh, Delta Force. Um, And um, he decided at the age of 33 to uh, go to med school. Um, That was uh, after he was in charge of security for the Israeli delegation to uh, the Philippines in 2014 rescue mission. Uh, That... uh, uh, Israel provided to the Philippines and uh, when he saw the uh, field operations of the MDs there he decided that uh, he wanted to go in that direction as well so although he was offered uh, to be the commander of Shaldag um, he left uh, he left the unit after 15 years um, many many special ops that he uh, still classified uh, you know the kind of operations that uh, you have to visit overseas, but without a passport, if you get what I mean. And uh, the operations are are uh, still classified. We heard a bit about them uh, during the Shiva. Uh, he went to med school, and at the same time, he continued to do some 80, 90 days of Miluim a year. And he also went to battalion commander's school during the Miluim. So it ended up being in the neighborhood of 120, 130 days a year. Uh, while he was doing med school. And uh, in his last uh, year, he decided he was asked to take charge of a program integrating uh, the Haredi community into uh, an intelligence unit called Shmona Matayim, for those who are familiar with it, 8200, which is uh, probably the largest unit in all of the IDF, uh, which is um, uh, uh, digital, uh, intelligence, cyber, et cetera. Uh, And when I had a uh, father-son talk before Shana this year, and I tried to convince him to let it go, he said to me, Abba, this is everything you taught me. How can I I let it go? It's going to change the face of Israeli society. And indeed, he took a program that was floundering and uh, laid the basis for a stellar success. Uh, The minister of defense uh, called me the chief of the air force. Uh, all spoke about the success of the program and how much they uh, how much they value it and see it as the future uh, for uh, for tzahal and how important it is for Tsahal. So I could go on and talking about Moshe, but in the next uh, three or four minutes, I'd like to just emphasize uh, something that uh, a few points that I think are uh, imperative. You know, I I um, was told by a number of uh, Abundant politicians and leaders. You know, during the shiva, they said, "You know, you have a microphone now. You can say anything you want." Uh, you know, there's the halo of the the mourning of the grieving father. So I'm extending uh, that privilege I have with the microphone to say a few things that will probably disturb uh, many people. But um, so be it. Uh, we need to be disturbed sometimes in our, in our lives to uh, to get shaken up a little bit. Yes. I think it's very important, and I will not miss an opportunity to say it, that um, we don't just um, breeze through these events as uh, just some more events happening in our lives. Uh, We need to be shaken out of our uh, regular schedules, shaken out of our lethargy. Um, And I think that this is a, a time, this is a moment, which is a um, foundational one for our people. I think in many respects, it's the refounding of, of the state. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain. There are, uh, there are things that we've become used to that will no longer be true when this war is over. Of course, everybody knows that we're not going to continue to adhere to a concept that uh, terrorists and evil can be somehow uh, mollified or uh, assuaged. Uh, we live in an age of post uh, uh, of, uh, postmodernism on steroids. We used to live in an age, we were all brought up in an age where of moral relativism, where there was confusion between that which is good and that which is evil. But that's changed. Now we live in an age where Evil is defined as good, uh, and good is defined as evil, and um, we we are at war with that on an ideational level. Not just the terror organization, we're at war with the uh, the notion uh, that uh, uh, that there's no such thing as objective good. That's our job in this world. Uh, that's the job of the Jewish people. That's what we're here to do. It's more than another daf in the Daf It's more than another Shirin Pashat Chavua. It's much broader. It's much greater. It's much more ubiquitous. Wow. And uh, yeah, we good have good to good be bear, bear that in mind. And that yes, uh, right. that necessitates a number of conclusions. Right excuse excuse the care. noise. There's some well, uh, noise here in the hallway in the hospital. Well, yes, uh, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the first conclusions we must draw is to leave the complacency of uh, of accepting the idea that there are Jewish communities around the world as a norm. Excuse me for uh, being so bold. But um, we expect now, we should endeavor to facilitate a massive Aliyah, not a trickle of a few tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands and millions. The idea of a complacent galut is over. It's been over, but we haven't really recognized it. And now it's time to employ uh, all of our efforts, deploy all of our forces into a uh, radical alteration of that complacency. The place for the Jewish people is in the land of Israel. Uh, this is not something which is—it's uh, as central, it's as central to the Jewish uh, experience as Shabbat is. And that's something which, unfortunately, we haven't taught and uh, uh, e- experienced. And I take the liberty, in the name of my son Moshe, because I know that's what he would have wanted me to share. The second uh, conclusion that we have to—I uh, I, think—begin to appreciate. Uh, is the, the complacent notion that a very large section of the people uh, who are uh, true to Torah, uh, the complacency in which the IDF is viewed, uh, has to change. Th- this is a this is a moment of reckoning. There's no precedent. There's no precedent from the time of Ramavino took his first steps in the land of Israel to the notion that only some people give their lives in battle, and others don't. Yeshua, who conquered Eretz Israel, was censored because he didn't make time for Torah at night, writes Reb Zevin. But certainly everybody during the course of the day has to fight. There's time for Tillim. Everybody has to say tillim. But if you, have, if you have the opportunity to hold a gun in your hand when people are trying to kill you, you don't say tillim. You take the gun and you use it. So this has to change as well, and I believe it's changing. We just have to be part of the change. We have to excel in the change. We have to emphasize the change. We have to teach the change. We have to endeavor to make it happen. To be partners with Hashem in the uh, uh, phenomenon, which is which is growing. And uh, the third, and and this is my my own personal final conclusion, uh, is that. Uh, the, 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 the understanding of what Am HaNivchar is. Uh, how much money has been spent on Holocaust education in the past 75 years? Does it reach billions? Probably, certainly hundreds of millions. And yet, in 4,500 out of 4,505 campuses in the United States, anti-Semitism is palpable, rampant. Things are being said by politicians, which nobody could have dreamt of a few years ago. So this idea of teaching appreciation for the Jewish people are by a common denominator called Holocaust education has failed miserably. And it's time to accept the notion that we are not a normative people, that the state of Israel will never be normative. You know, Herzl understood more than anyone at the time that the Yuden problem wouldn't go away. It could never be normalized without a state. His mistake was that once we had a state, we'd become normal. We are an abnormal uh, uh, people. That is our position. That is our job. That is our chore. That is our task. But well, we have to determine among ourselves what that abnormality is and how we express it. And I think that now it's becoming clear. The fight against evil. The fight against objective evil. There's a lot of comparisons being made to Nazis. No, no. No, no. Please appreciate. These people are worse than Nazis. The Nazis tried to cover what they did. They were embarrassed at some point when it was exposed. These people are parading it on digital media, what they did. Slaughter, murder, rape decapitating people, mutilating babies. I was asked today by the uh, uh, officer in charge of uh, grieving families, if I could please visit a family in Rishon whose daughter whose daughter, they only had one daughter, and she was a, uh, a young sergeant who was killed, but she wasn't just killed, there's nothing left. They have nothing left of the body. Nothing left. You're talking about about a reincarnation of, of, of the ashes of Auschwitz. There was nothing left. And these are the people who are being applauded by millions and millions of people around the world. That's their way of saying that there's something special about the Jewish people. Now let us pick up that charge and determine for ourselves what more we have to say what more we have to offer, what more we have to teach. But first, we have to physically eradicate evil. I'll just close with yeah. one a sentence that I saw the week before Moshe was killed. I took Rav Soloveitchik's Sefer Amudoshel Olam, which is a Sefer on, on Avraham Avinu. Yeah. Rav Soloveitchik refers to Amalek. And you know, Rav Soloveitchik certainly could not be accused of being extreme. He was a very moderate... Poseg is a very moderate leader, but he determines what a Mulik is, defines a mulik. A mulik he says is not a people or a race or a nation. We make the mistake of thinking so. A is an idea. And what's the idea? The idea is organized evil. It's a free translation of mine. Organized evil with the intent of spreading human suffering. An amazing definition organized evil with the intent of spreading human suffering and that can only be defeated through force we will continue i mourn for my son on a personal level but on a national level i am i am proud that he joined the ranks of rabbi akiva and Haverav. he knew what he was fighting for he always said abba when i go into battle i have 60 70 kilograms on my back and you know how i make it lighter." I, I add I add something. I add my grandparents. I add my sabim and my saftot. And when I add the generations on my shoulders, and I know that I'm going into battle with them, the burden becomes lighter. Oh. Lighter fun, right? But lighter in terms of weight. And so, uh, Bezrat Hashem, uh, we'll, we will uh, move forward, and hopefully. Uh, Jews wherever they are will understand that this is a a, uh, a formative moment in Jewish history. They can choose either to be part of it, to be active participants, or to be observers. That's the opportunity that we have now: to be active participants in writing and being arbiters of Jewish history, and not just not just observers, but active participants. So, thank you for the opportunity. To uh, address this auspicious uh, meeting, and uh, I wish you and uh, uh, your congregants, and of course Mizrahi Olami, and all the important work that Rav Doron and uh, my my distinguished hill of does together with you, the uh, the uh, ultimate success. Shalom,
0: Yechiel. Thank you so very much, and again, please extend our condolences your entire family, <coughs> and also, obviously, to Moshe Aditya's mother, Khani, who so, so many of us remember for so many years. The Shema should have an aliyah.
4: Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.
0: Before we conclude this extraordinary event, I want to thank some people and then end with the tefillah. I want to thank Rabbis tag and Goldstein, who helped me coordinate this uh, event, In fact, it was Rabbi Liebteg's idea to try to create this, and thank you very much for that. I want to thank Mizrahi, World Mizrahi, Rabbi Perez, who we heard from earlier, and also Hilla van Leeuwen, another former Chicagoan who works with Mizrahi and helped put together all of the speakers. This is a day of Thanksgiving, and the Thanksgiving we should be giving are for all of those who continue to make sure that our country, our beloved state, is safe, and our beloved state is defended, even if they had to give it with their lives. And now I'd like to conclude with a special tefillah that I was given by Rav Perez when I was in his offices. It was a tefillah that was first written by Rav Shlomo Gorin and then adapted by his son, Rami Gorin, A tefillah for peace and also for those who've been kidnapped. מי שברחבותינו אברהם יצחק ויעקב משה אהרון דוד ושלמה וירכיו ישמור ויציל את בנינו והיקרים חילאי צבא גנלי ישראל ושרלו חמים למן בית חון העם והארץ וזרחים כן היו נשים גברים ותפנים צאין בצראו וצוקם zu הקדוש ברוך הוא ביליה חביב עליהם לקים מאמו לחזקם לאחיות ולחבת קבתם לא השגיר ממסגר נפשם לא ציא מצראל וחרב שיבוד לגולם שבהם ישלח השם ישלח השם רפואה שלמה מן השמיים. We as a shul will continue to do things, to send the hugs and send our support to Medinat Israel. We thank you for your attention today, and please, God. We will find the We will see the Yeshua. Nehirabi. Be- Amen. Thank you for joining us.